It's 11 minutes after 8 p.m. It's our Shop Stewards Corner, which we bring to you every Monday here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, today we take a look at an event that's coming up in uh, the next few days or so. And uh, it's called by some the mother of all strikes as uh, COSATU, a Labour Federation, they're saying it's all systems go for their national stay away strike, which is happening on the 7th of October, uh, which is uh, two days from now. And they've asked workers to stay at home. And uh, the protest is uh, against a wide array of reasons, corruption, retrenchments, unemployment, gender-based violence, and what they see as attacks on collective bargaining. Now, uh, workers have already started with their action, embarking on a go-slow at lunchtime today and uh, implementing the work-to-rule principle. And I'm joined on the line to uh, chat briefly about uh, some of the issues that have given rise to this uh, particular strike and more importantly uh, i guess uh, to uh, hear uh, the call that is being made here to for uh, all working people to stay away on wednesday by matthew parks uh Kosatu parliamentary coordinator matthew good evening to you and welcome uh, good evening Ayubanga. thanks for having me uh, matthew let's maybe start off here i mean i think uh, you know we had a conversation last week with the general secretary of saftu uh, and one of the things you know we were talking to him about was you know I guess the the timing of this particular action. There's certain things that many working people feel have been an, uh, an affront on their interests uh, that have continued to happen. Uh, maybe talk us through, I guess, uh, this wide array of issues that uh, has resulted in you hitting the streets. Ordinarily, we often see working people going to the street for a particular matter. It might be a particular workplace issue. But it seems here that some of these issues are larger macro issues, uh, of course, also at a firm level, uh, what you see as an attack on collective bargaining. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think the starting point is that workers only go on strike as a point of last resort. Mm. It's not an easy decision for workers to take because often it means no um, no work, no pay. So really it's a point of frustration where workers just feel that the government is not listening to them, employees are not listening. So these are issues that we've been raising for months with government and business at NetLack. Some of them we've been raising for years, and they just simply failed time and again to respond to them. Um, so the original issues were the collapse of public transport, the collapse of metro rail, the violence in the transport sector, which has a, a huge impact upon workers who need to get to work on time. It impacts upon the productivity of the, of the economy at large. You would have noticed in this lockdown how metro rail has simply been stripped to the bone by, by evangelists mm. and by criminals. And it's also been about the health and safety of workers, the right of workers to work in a safe environment. Um, you know, over the years, many mine workers have lost life and limb. During the pandemic, many workers have been exposed as essential workers to COVID-19 with uh, poor PPEs, which didn't protect them because of corruption within the procurement system of the state and uh, politicians' insatiable appetite to continue stealing money all the time. Um, but also, you know, workers, so those are the original certificates that we received from NEDLAC for the strike. But workers also want to raise other issues as well, legitimately. Mm. The issues of corruption, the issues of unemployment, of retrenchment in the thousands of possibly millions of workers. Um, the issues of crime, especially gender-based violence. And of course, <clears throat> public servants and other workers right now are very frustrated how they see employers in government and even the private sector willing to walk away from signed wage agreements. And basically, mm. on the one hand, they praise workers, for you know, nurses and teachers and police officers, things that praise us for what they've done during the lockdown. Yet at the same time, we have government walking away from a legitimately signed wage agreement um, yet at the same time failed to tackle corruption. So there's really a combination of frustration by workers. Um, it is for, for Wednesday. Um, it's a COSATU strike, but it's enjoyed very po broad support from mm. all of the other trade union federations, be it uh, producer, NACTU, or SAFTU, 
even from the Council of Churches, from many progressive organizations. So I think really it's a kind of a it's a way of putting pressure on government business and hopefully, hopefully they will actually start to listen to and begin to address the frustrations mm. of workers. Matthew, just, just on the score of what you see as um, many employers and even uh, the government as an employer reneging on collective bargaining agreements, I mean, it certainly must uh, complicate things from a political perspective because, um, you know, on the one hand, we have local government elections coming up. Kosatu is in alliance with uh, the South African Communist Party and the ANC uh, and uh, a governing alliance, if I can put it that way. Uh, and, um, you know, we're nearing the local government elections next year where Many workers within Kosato will be calling on all South Africans uh, to vote for the African National Congress. And it comes at a time where I guess some of your comrades within the government uh, will be sitting on the other side of the bargaining table, digging in their heels and suggesting that, you know, they're not going to meet the third year of a multi-year agreement. Um, how does that complication, I guess, find resolution or how do you reconcile that within the Federation and broadly within the working class? No, it's extremely difficult to, to reconcile. Um, there was an article today that Treasury not only wants to walk away from this year's wage agreement and give workers no increase, but in fact they don't want to give any public servant an increase for the next three years. Mm. That would be tantamount, basically, you know, probably to about a 15% salary cut in real terms if you take into inflation averages for the next three years. Um, mm. Mm. It would be very, very difficult to convince those workers, including COSATA members. I know many unions in COSATA have been very frustrated it is an issue that always comes up at Kosato Congresses. The membership has always said, yes, we must maintain the alliance and so forth, because despite all the, the problems and the dysfunctionality, there are many benefits to it. But when workers right now are saying, look, but they feel government <clears throat> is the one which is undermining collective agreements, it's undermining workers' rights to protect the status from inflation. At the same time, it's a very similar Tully House, which has led the looting brigades in government for a decade, which has brought us into this economic and governance crisis with no consequences. It's going to be tough, Ibonga. Um, we're very tough. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a sell, and I think it's going to cost the ANC at the local elections, you know, because even with mm. Kosato, we can say, vote ANC, the unions can say, vote ANC. Um, when you go to the ballot box, you are an individual, and you make up your own mind. And we saw mm. the ANC lost the urban centers in the last local elections, the Kauteng, PE, obviously Cape Town, I think they're going to really struggle at the local election next year. And it puts us in a very difficult spot because members will say, so government doesn't want to, to give us a small little inflation increase, yet they have money to loot. It's a very difficult mm-hmm. message to overcome right now. And I, I don't think <clears throat> members of COSATU or ordinary workers, ordinary workers are unrealistic. Um, I don't think they expect to see everybody who has stolen money to be arrested overnight. But I think they would expect to see the NPA and the police starting to do their job and arresting those who have looted one by one. Mm-hmm. I think they would expect mm-hmm. to see corruption, wasteful expenditure, which you know, Ayabonga, the AG estimates averages about 10% of our budget every year to start to come down. Um, mm-hmm. But when they don't see this, when they see government saying, we're going to go the lazy route and just simply deny nurses and teachers and police officers a little increase, um, it's going to be a very difficult thing to sell, you know? Sure. Sure, sure. Matthew, let's pause here for a second. And I want us to continue on the other side and uh, we'll maybe take a look, I guess, at uh, some of the issues around retrenchments and layoffs that we've seen during this difficult moment of COVID-19 and the implications that that has had for the employment situation in South Africa, which no doubt was in crisis even prior to the onset of COVID-19. We'll continue with Matthew Parks on the other side of this.
It's 21 minutes after 8 p.m. and uh, it's our Shop Stewards Corner here on the Metro FM Talk on the Mighty Metro. And um, I'm joined by Kosatu's parliamentary coordinator, Matthew Parks, and we're talking about the National Stay Away, which has been called for uh, for Wednesday and uh, protest against corruption, retrenchments, unemployment, gender-based violence and attacks on collective bargaining. And the workers embarking on a go slow already from lunchtime today. And I guess, Matthew, uh, one of the other questions, certainly we've covered, I guess, uh, the uh, attack you see on uh, the system on collective bargaining. I mean, I'm quite interested in your view on retrenchments. I mean, I recall uh, probably just under two years ago, you know, being at the job summit and uh, a conversation being had there around creating a moratorium on retrenchments as a starting point to just even retaining the current jobs that we have. And I think, you know, everybody, uh, at least of all the social partners at Nedlac, we're, we're in agreement that we need people in employment. The businesses needed to spur on demand in the economy for the products they produce and the services they produce. Workers need it uh, for their own survival and the government needs it, no doubt, uh, I guess, from a tax perspective as well. And yet, even before the ink had dried on that framework agreement, we started to hear companies signaling their intention to retrench. We even start to hear this uh, from entities that are linked to the state or even some of our SOEs. Well, what is your view as COSATU on the lack of the durability of some of these agreements, especially as it relates uh, to stemming retrenchments and even layoffs? Well, what accounts for that? Why do people feel like we can agree to this and then, you know, in the next 18 months or in the next uh, few weeks, already start to announce that we're going to be retrenching a certain number of workers? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a couple of things. Um, I think one from government side, we're we're paying the paying the price of a decade of state capture, where the state has literally been gutted out of its capacity, it's been broken and run into the ground. Um, also, I mean, there, there's been a political shift in our culture of many of our politicians who are now simply in it to feed their own bank balance. They have a, they know they have a limited life shelf span, and they're just here to eat. Um, so you have a significant problem. Mm. Obviously, our ministers are very committed and, and good, but there's a far and few in between, to be honest. Um, so you're dealing with the incapacitated state. We no longer have a capacitated level of developmental state, to be honest. Um, mm. So we're now seeing retentions not only in the private sector, but even in some of the pedestatals, because they've been running to the ground. SAA, 10,000 jobs lost because of a corrupt management which broke it over a decade, with no consequences. SA Express, similar. Um, many other SOEs collapsed, broken, denial, etc. SABC, you know, because of either state capture. Private sector, I think, often is just simply a lack of patriotism. We saw in the big four banks over the past few years how the East would change about 2,000 staff. They said because of automation. But in the same they were closing many branches in the rural areas, in townships, etc. Um, and yes, you're sure, you could argue that many of the, the financial sector will become digitalized. It's inevitable. Mm. But if you're in an economy of 40% unemployment, what is your patriotic du duty as a businessman? Surely it should be not to, to be adding to unemployment queue. Surely they could mm. have said But even your own self-interest, right? Your own self-interest. Mm. I mean, even your own self-interest. <clears throat> I mean, how, who's going to buy your products if people are out of work? But also, Ibong, let's assume that the company grows that route, but there are alternatives always. So the, the mm. CEOs at the big four banks, each of them every single day of the week, earns 150,000 rand every single day. The cashiers who they threw under the bus um, earn about 300 rand a day. So where's the morality there? Mm. Um, mm. So it really is a problem. In fact, at that job summit two years ago, business refused to commit not to retrench. Um, 
But, I mean, yeah, it's a difficult thing. We think there are always alternatives available. There is money available in the UAF. There should be creative ways to look at alternatives. Um, but part of the problem, I think, also is we neglected as a nation. If, for example, when you see structural changes taking place in the economy to plan for a just transition, you know, for example, that people are moving away from posting letters to emailing it. You can't stop the tide of history as a god. But what is mm. the alternative to create a new economic model for the post office? Sure, to avoid sure. retrenching workers. So it means, you know, for example, reconfiguring the post office to become, say, for example, a multi-purpose or multi-stopped government center in rural areas, mm. you know? Or a logistics because, hub, you know? Mm. Yeah. How do you measure with the post bank? What are the new economic activities? Um, you know, with ESCOM, it means, because, you know, we're, we're, the, the future of energy is um, renewable energy to move away from fossil energy, etc. But again, it's about having a plan for those workers in those communities whose lives depend upon it. Take them mm, with you. Mm. So part of our engagement at, at, at NetLEC on the ESCOM social contact is we say, can we start planning for this just transition now? Let's not leave these workers to fend for themselves. Let's have a plan for those towns in Pumalanga that says if the power station is coming to the end of its lifespan, can we extend it? Can we convert it to other energy forms? If not, if not, mm. can we simply build a solar panel factory there to create jobs for those workers? I mean, those are human beings, those are mothers and fathers. They shouldn't be punished because of... Um, incompetent management, corrupt politicians, or simply economic structural changes. But often we don't mm. do that. And then we throw people under the bus. And it's a ticking time bomb. You know, right now, you saw Ibanga last week that the unemployment rate has now pushed past 50%. Sure. <clears throat> That's a ticking Expanded time bomb. Expanded definition, yeah. Change. Yeah. I mean, mm. leave aside the, 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 the conservative and the, the real definition, you know. Um, mm. <clears throat> 40 million workers can't carry on the backs. 60 million people. Um, but often, I mean, we've, it's been very frustrating for us because we often thought business is, is simply too conservative. They don't often come to the table and say, yes, we'll invest in this, we'll do this. We've had huge discussions about how do you ramp up local procurement as a key way of growing the economy, you know, as you're talking about demand. Mm. But mm. you find that government and business are very slow on practicalizing it to say, yes, as this hotel group, as this banks, <clears throat> as these departments will commit to procuring these items locally. It's a, it's a constant push and fight. Um, we found it during the sugar tax engagements where we had asked government simply to make sure that all the sugar procured by the big procurement um, departments in the state, like mm. health and correctional services and education, to make sure it's locally produced. It is a fight. Um, so often we really do find a very lethargic and indifferent state and private sector who simply are not really concerned about ordinary South Africans' lives. Matthew, talking about that, uh, and uh, I guess you've touched on the issues of capacity within the state. I'm quite interested in in the views of Cosato on the current macro-fiscal path. I mean, you've spoken a lot uh, and voiced your opposition to what you see as austerity and other economic policies that favor private industry over social spending uh, at a critical moment, I guess, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which has uh, certainly had a massive demand and supply side shock to the entire economy uh, with disastrous implications for employment, as we saw uh, in the QLFS data that came from StatsSA. What is your view around, I guess, the ideal macro fiscal part that we should be pursuing? I mean, we've seen the cabinet endorsing, uh, you know, uh, nearly over 200 billion rand in spending cuts for the next few years or so as a signal to the marketplace that, you know, they're interested in dealing with the debt situation. What, what would an alternative macro-fiscal framework uh, pursued by COSATO and maybe the broader working class look like? Yeah. Look, I mean, I think we've tried to 
to be a bit nuanced and to juggle many balls at once, even as difficult as it is. Um, I mean, we agree that we we simply cannot spend our way out of a crisis. We can't mm. print money for obvious reasons. We also, I mean, we do believe the debt right now, ratio right now, is not necessarily a problem, but the growth trajectory is very worrying um, because you see what mm. happened to countries like Greece when they got into the debt trap and then they had to go to the European Bank or, in our case, the IMF for a bailout and that'll be devastating for workers. It'll be workers who will be retrenched, public services scrapped or privatized, uh, public wage, service wages would be slashed. So we're, not, we're keen to avoid a debt trap that we've seen decades in many other African countries. But having said that, we think that Treasury is, is putting the horse before the cart, or might even be selling the horse and the cart. Um, mm. Because you're not going to grow the economy by cutting off um, badly needed injections into the economy. The economy needs ca- cash to inject to grow. We think the priority should be about stimulating the economy. That'll help save companies, that'll help save jobs, and that'll help save revenue for the state. As those companies pick up, they'll be paying more taxes, which will ease the debt burdens on the state. Um, <clears throat> of course, Treasury colleagues always ask us, so where do you get the money from? Because we obviously do agree, you can't print money, it doesn't fall out of the sky. We've mm. proposed about six or seven areas where they can get money from if they're willing to show the political will and do the hard work. It's very easy mm. just to simply say we're not going to spend. That's, again, a lazy route of Treasury. If we lose 10% of our budget every year to corruption wasteful expenditure, can we not at least reduce that by a third? That will save up 50 billion rand. Can we get all the SOEs back on their feet and stop being a fiscal drain in the state? Because remember, a lot of the bailouts in the past few years have been to the SOEs. To the SOEs yeah. We propose to our own effort to assist in mobilization of funds to assist ESCOM as our own contribution to ease the pressures on, on, on the state, but also on the economy. Because if ESCOM can focus not so much on paying debts, but on investment and maintenance that can help reduce load shedding. And, you know, load shedding was costing mm. the economy uh, about 13 billion rand a day when it was at its peak. Um, <clears throat> the other areas is about SARS. Further capacity of SARS, I think the new commission is doing good work to deal with tax evasion. But equally, I bonga, I mean, you would know that we only SARS only expects about 5% of goods coming through our ports of entry. That's billions of rands lost to the revenue of the state mm. one. It also undermines and threatens local companies and jobs in the manufacturing sector. And, of course, it also wastes government money that's spent on industrial programs. Um, so, for example, I think there was a report last week which said we lose about 3 billion rand a year because of illegal cars coming through the, into the economy. Similar across all the other sectors, you know. Um, <clears throat> it's also about, and we would agree that you do need to reprioritize budgets within the state. It was quite interesting mm. when you look through the supplementary budget how quickly government was able to shift a significant amount of money away from some, I think we would say, wasteful expenditure items like traveling, consultants, advertising, travel allowances, <clears throat> etc. So we think there is still some fat within the state you can reprioritize to key economic departments. But it was quite worrying, you know, I bongo and Thomas growing the economy, how government to treasury cut money from critical economic departments. So they cut a billion rand in tourism, Almost two billion rand from trade industry. They cut two billion add, rand from private. Add debts, I say, to that. Yeah. Yeah, and they cut another two billion from from public transport. Um, and the other issue also, Ebong, is that look, I mean, the state can play so much of a role. We think the PIC needs to prioritise investments that will benefit workers and pensioners. Often they invest mm. in very dubious projects, but they should invest in ways which will help protect pensioners' money, but also grow the economy, create jobs, because. 
pensioners and public servants, etc., whose money the cash has been playing with, uh, under huge strain because they support many unemployed relatives. So if you can create jobs, it eases the, the pressure on them. Um, but I think the last thing that government has got so much it can do, the private sector must come to the party. And so mm-hmm. we've been the need for the banks and investment funds under the existing Regulation 28, um, the Pension Funds Act, to invest in, in, in ways to grow the economy instead of just simply benefiting the, the fund administrators. Can mm-hmm. we invest mm-hmm. in government bonds? In ESCOM, can they invest in factories and manufacturing which will create jobs and, again, increase revenue for the state? But what they often do is just simply speculation for the benefit of the fund administrators. The pension funds, which are defined benefits, don't get any benefit. And really, it's enrichment at the expense of pensioners and workers. So, But the banks have to come to the party. I mean, they've really been shameful during this period. Um <clears throat> The banks actually offered very little assistance to the economy right now. All they did was to give some people um, who wouldn't be able to pay the, the, the loans, they gave them three months deferrals. They didn't write off the money. It was just simply kicking the can down the road for three months. Mm, it, but mm. there wasn't new money injected to the economy. The only new money you saw in the economy during this period was from workers' money. It was the unemployment insurance fund, which has pumped in to date about 45 billion rand into the economy. Government itself, mm. with the exception of the SASA, increase the benefits, which are quite helpful to pensioners, hasn't injected much into the economy. So really, yeah, I mean, you'd really need to find the government and the private sector playing a much more creative sure, and progressive sure. role. Um, yeah. I think the last thing, Ibong, I- is that, you know, a third of ESCOM generation capacity is going to come off grid in this decade. Um, ESCOM doesn't have much money to invest in new generation. So where is it going to get mm. the money? The real so- source will be <clears throat> from the green energy funding available internationally. Which often yeah, is quite the green uh, bonds and all of that, yeah. Yeah, it would help reduce ESCOM's bond. Uh, sorry, that, that, that burden is often very attractively structured and mm. it will enable ESCOM to invest in renewable energy and to do it in a way which creates jobs. So I think first, that's where we will find the money. So it's not rocket science, it's straightforward stuff. Sure, but again, it's sure. about the political will of okay. government and, and business. Can they come to the party? Matthew, just lastly, before I let you go, um, just any message to many working people who are listening into this conversation uh, about the action on Wednesday, uh, as uh, you continue to reiterate it, of course, on uh, on the back of all of the issues that we've been discussing. Sure. I think number one is about workers expressing their anger to government and to business about many issues, from job losses to the collapse of public transport, to the health and safety of workers, to corruption, to gender-based violence, etc. Um, number one is for workers simply not to go to work on Wednesday. It's a protected strike. So workers cannot be dismissed for embarking on the strike. Mm. If they need to get a copy of the strike certificate, they can get that from any Kosatu or Kosatu Union offices. There will be Kosatu activities um, throughout the country in all the provincial capitals, in Cape Town to Parliament, in Pretoria, to union buildings, and in many other rural towns. So they can get to they can go to the Kosatu website or they can contact Kosatu's sure. provincial offices and join it. But number one is simply just to stay away from work and to send a message mm. to government business that enough is enough. Okay. Matthew, 
We'll have to leave it there. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Matthew Parks is the parliamentary coordinator for the Congress of South African Trade Unions, Kosatu, and uh, speaking to us there about the National Stay Away, which is happening on Wednesday. That was our Shop Stewards Corner. In the next few minutes or so, we're going to take a look at uh, what's ha been happening out in Dark City in Mangaung uh, in relation, of course, to the asbestos saga. And we'll also uh, check in with some of the remarks Angie Mutecha made uh, today on the occasion of World Teachers Day.